That's good. It's good. Hey, we still got the youth rocking out. A couple of them out here on the front row. So awesome. Good stuff right there. Good stuff. Good to see you guys. Glad that you're here tonight. Um, we're going to be continuing in our sermon series called Good News. And so we've been in this for a few weeks. We will be in this sermon series all the way until Mother's Day. Mother's Day, which is May. So we're going to be in this thing for a while, talking about Jesus. You guys all right with that? Just talking about Jesus for a while? Terrence is, the rest of you. I'm glad you're here tonight because we're going to talk about Jesus. And hopefully by the end of it, you're excited to talk about Jesus. Well, hey, so as we're going through this sermon series, you know, we've been planning out where we're going to be going and what we're going to be talking about. And there's a lot of things that um, we're going to be hitting throughout this. And um, I, I'm just excited for this. It's just even for me as I've been studying and working through this, the question of what is the good news? What is the gospel? It's a question that we all would say, hey, I know the answer to that. When we're asked the question, do we have a clear and concise answer to what it is? And so we're just taking time as we walk through this sermon series to help us each and all to make sure that we have a clear, concise answer to what is the good news. To know what is the good news because this question, what is the good news? It determines what we do in our life and it determines, our answer determines the impact we have on people when we share the gospel with them. Knowing what the good news is and knowing how it impacts our life, it is absolutely important in our walk with Jesus Christ. And so we need to know that. Knowing information is an important and important part of not only just being a Christian, but just going through life. Having the right information is absolutely vital to every part of life. Just this week, I had on Tuesday, we had a meeting with a bunch of pastors in the area, um, something that has been coordinated where some pastors in the Newport News area, Hampton area, are just getting together and just praying for an hour. Nothing else, you know, we've specifically said, no flyers, no anything else. We just want to pray, you know, like that's all we want to do. And pastors are like, what? I can't promote something? I want to pray. What? Yeah, like, yeah, just pray. That's all we're going to do is just pray for an hour. And so we got there and I had the chance um, for James Delato. He's been working in the office a little bit and uh, interning there uh, with his degree that he's doing. And so I was like, James, why don't you come with me to this prayer thing? So we got in the car and the church that it was at, I knew where it was. I'd been there one time, but it's been a really, really long time. And it, it sits right off of 64. You can see it, but getting to it, it's like in this neighborhood and it's crazy to get to it. And so I'd put on my GPS and so we're going down Jay Clyde on, on, uh, in Newport News, and, and we're heading, you know, up towards 64. And my GPS, it says, you know, on my phone, it says I was using maps. Let's just be honest. Let's put it out there right now. I was using Apple Maps, all right? So uh, I was using Apple Maps, and it, put, it said, get on 64 East. And I was like, well, that's kind of odd, but maybe there's a quicker way to get there. Because I just blindly trust my GPS. I don't know if you're out there, if you're with me. If it says turn right, I just turn right, right? That's what I do. It's crazy to see actually the amount of accidents that have happened since GPSs came out where people literally are driving off of cliffs, into lakes, into trains, all kinds of things because they are just trusting their GPSs. So this is a public announcement. But other than that, so I was sitting there and I was like, get on, it says get on 64 East. So I get on 64 East. It's like, well, maybe it's got something it's going to do. So we're just driving and we're talking. And as we're going down 64, it said, I noticed it said get off on, you know, whatever exit it was. And I was like, that's the exit I get off to go to my parents' house because they live in Hampton. And I was just like, this thing, what is it doing? And so it's getting me off on the Hampton Center Parkway. And I'm like, what is it doing right now? And then I look and I'm like, there's a blue line going back this way on 64 West. 
This thing just made me go all the way down 64 East to Hampton Center Parkway and just get off and get on 64 West. And I was like, oh my goodness. So we were trying to figure it out. We're like, whatever, let's just get back on. We're having, you know, we're talking, whatever. You know, it's not time wasted. And so as we're going down 64 West, it gets us off on J. Clyde, exactly where we got on to 64. And it gets us off and we have to take a right. And I was like, okay, it's either this road or it's this road. But it had us going past both of those roads and then doing a U-turn and coming back up J. Clyde, getting back on 64 East. Like this thing just had me in this perpetual loop of just going around 64. Like I'm convinced somebody's sitting out there in Silicon Valley and they're like, okay, this guy, we're just gonna mess with him right now. Let's just see how long he can do this. And so I was just like, what in the world is happening? But it's crazy because GPS, like they are basically what they're doing is they're going around and they're using the information they have to give you the directions that you need. And where they get their information, it drastically impacts their ability to accurately get you where you want to go. If you're ever in a small town, you ever notice how bad GPS is or how bad things are when you're in a smaller town. Because sometimes the maps that have been provided to these companies are actually planning maps. So at some point, they were going to build a road there, and then they just never did. And so your GPS is telling you to turn right on some road that doesn't exist. Or like one guy, they told him to turn right, and he just blindly turned it right, not realizing that he had turned onto railroad tracks, and there was actually a train starting to come his way. Because was, it was at one point going to be a road, but then they decided to turn it into a railroad track. And so the information that you get it vitally impacts the decisions you make and the places that you go. So if we're to, tonight, if we're going to answer this, this question, what is the good news? It's important for us to say, where do we get the information? What is our source of information to be able to answer that question? Last week, I shared the story of me when I was five and watching Gospel Bill and just in that moment being emotional and overwhelmed and praying and praying the sinner's prayer. And I was just like, I'm good, and, and we believed that I was good. And then when I was a teenager, I wasn't good, and things got really bad for a while. And, and the truth of the matter is, is I never really understood what is the good news. The truth of the gospel never really became something that sunk down into my soul, and I didn't really understand the necessity of Jesus dying on the cross. I didn't understand the good news. I didn't understand that there was a bad news, which means there's a good news. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. And so in that, I accepted the story of God. And what happened is, as I went through life, I began to get information from other places. And what was a story now became something that was distant and had zero influence on me. See, the gospel is not something that can just be heard and just casually accepted. The gospel is something that is heard and in faith it's received and it changes and it transforms you. The gospel is something that makes you a different person instantly and all at the same time getting better and better. Our source of information vitally impacts the Christian life that we live. And we have to ask, where are we getting our information about what we believe, about what we talk about, what we teach, what we teach our children? You know, we can go through and a lot of times we say, okay, well, you know what? I've grown up in church my whole life and so a lot of what I know, it's done through tradition, right? Tradition, in a nutshell, is a lot of opinion and a lot of preference. And you know what that means, right? The phrase, we all have an opinion, and we also all, never mind, I'm not going to finish that in church, right? 
right? But opinions and preferences, it leads to infighting, it leads to bickering, it leads to you're wrong, I'm right, it leads to attitude, it leads to all of these different things. Or maybe we can get into a place where it's not tradition that's forming our us, it's reason, and we really to, well, this makes sense to me, this is logical, this is illogical, and so we rely on reason, which is not a bad thing. It's good to have reasonable conversations, and sometimes church is not the place where we have reasonable conversations. Reason is not bad. Intellect is not bad. It is good to have intellect. It's good to ask challenging questions. It's good to look into things and ask difficult questions, but reason alone can lead us to a place where you're hardened and you're skeptical of everything where you're unwilling to accept a truth that you cannot see because faith has no place in your life. When you rely only on reason, you get to a place where you will be hardened and skeptical. So just having reason as your source will be a dangerous thing for you. If you then also just say, okay, well, my experiences, you know, maybe it's me, it's just, you know, kind of like what I've gone through and my experiences, they've who I am and what I do. And so you go through and you look at your experiences, which is really to say for you and your experiences, what you're really saying is, is like, hey, I'm kind of guiding my own life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time deciding what cereal I want in the morning, right? I mean, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I really love my family. Gosh, I love my family. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, my family's still here, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, we're fickle people. We don't really know what it is we like or don't like. Scripture talks about how we have a hard time understanding our own desires, that we don't even really know what it is that we want. If we're relying on our experiences, it's going to get us into a dangerous place. It's going to get us to a place where we're accepting things that aren't true or things that are not even close to true. It's going to get us into a place where we're maybe experiencing or stepping into some weird things and, and we're getting farther and further off base. And so as we go through and talk about tonight, we're going to be talking about God's word if you haven't catched that yet. We're going to be talking about God's word. And so tonight we're going to look at real quickly just Ephesians 3.10. I'm not going to read it. We're just going to paraphrase it. But that's where we've been launching in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. It says that God's eternal plan has been accomplished through Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking, and last week we spent some time, what is his eternal plan? I'm not going to go into it tonight. You can go through and listen to the podcast, but his eternal plan is that you and I would be in relationship with him. Since the very beginning of time, God has set out to redeem man and for us to be in relationship with him. He has a plan to make that happen. He's set out to make that happen. And he's done everything he can through Jesus Christ to accomplish it. It's actually already been accomplished. And so all through scripture... God is taking his plan and he's revealing it to us. And all through scripture, through the scripture in Ephesians, through all of scripture as we walked through last week, I had one person last week, they were like, hey, if you would have preached through Genesis, through Revelations, like you said you were going to, I would have stayed the whole time. I was like, you're awesome, we're gonna do that soon. I was like, because it just is probably gonna be you and me, but it's all right. But so we talk through Genesis and Revelations all throughout Scripture. It is revealing and it's showing what God's plan is. It's showing and declaring this is who he is. This is what he's doing. This is what he set out to do. So all throughout Scripture, God is revealing his plan. And he's showing us through Scripture so that our eyes will be lifted to him so that we can trust him and see what he's doing. This is why it is so important for us 
Because in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that God, he's working out his eternal plan through the church. And this is why it's so important for us to have moments like this, to have moments like we did during worship tonight. Come on, didn't the worship team just did awesome tonight? Tara and all of them, thank you so much for you. You guys are awesome. Like, it's so important for us to have these moments because God is working out his plan and he's working his plan out. He's accomplished things through Christ and he's working his plan out through you and me. And when we come together and we worship and we come together and we share and we come together and we reflect on scripture, when we come together, we're able to help point each other to God and the things that he's doing in this world. It's so absolutely important for us to come together because God's eternal purpose, it centers on Christ and his church. Last week we went through and just talked about the fact that Jesus is the centerpiece of everything. And that the church, it is beautiful. The church is wonderful. Not because people are beautiful and wonderful, because we're really not, we're kind of jacked up. Maybe not you, you're pretty, right? But the church is beautiful. You were valued in the church, not because of what you have to offer or what you have to give. You're valued because of how much our Heavenly Father loves you. The church is beautiful not because of who we are or how great our worship is or how well things are done or how big the church is. The church is beautiful because God loves the church. And God is working his plan out. He's declaring to all of the world. He's declaring. In Ephesians, we see he's declaring to the heavens, to all of the heavens, the angels are sitting watching in marvel and amazement of what God is doing through the church. I mean, it's pretty awesome to be a part of the church. It's pretty awesome to think about what we're a part of. We just say, oh, it's just a service. Maybe I'm going to go or not go. Man, this is something that God is doing, that he is orchestrating for his glory and for our good. And when we come together, we see who he is and all that he's doing. God has a plan. It's not hidden. He wants us to know his plan, and he wants us to discover the things that he is doing in this world. And he does this through the church. And he does this because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Because Jesus died on the cross, we're able to have a relationship with him. We're able to be connected to God. We're able to have moments like we had tonight. We don't have to worship some far distant God, go through some crazy rituals, wear some kind of crazy clothes, or do something insane, or eat different things. We don't have to do any of that stuff. Because of Jesus, we're able just to come and be in his presence and worship him. That's his plan. It's for you and I to be in relationship with him, for you and I to be connected with the creator of the universe. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 30, says this, this God, his way is perfect, and the word of the Lord proves true. Tonight we sang he is perfect. Tonight we sang that we love his presence. Listen, he is perfect in everything that he does. He's perfect in every way that he's working. And I know that you look at your neighbor and he's just like, but he's not making them perfect yet. It's okay, that's why we're here tonight, right? We're working on that. Don't judge your view of God by somebody else. Don't view your judge of God by what you've experienced in the past. Don't view or judge God by the church experiences that you've had. View and judge God by his word and the truth of what he comes through on. He is perfect in everything that he does, and he proves to be true. 
So before we get into his word, we're going to pray real quick. Are you good with that? Bow your heads and close your eyes if you promise not to fall asleep. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are here with us tonight. God, I don't want to go another step. I don't want to go another word into this moment without asking you to lead and guide us in this moment. God, may our eyes be turned to you. May our hope be found in you. God, may you speak to us through your word. May your Holy Spirit guide and direct this moment, and may it be it for your glory. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm just going to teach on some things, and we're going to see where we go from there. Here at this church, we believe that this Bible right here is God's spoken word to us. And we believe that everything that God spoke to us in his Bible is true. That it is infallibly and inerrantly true. That's what we believe. We believe that this book right here, it's not some just random 66 books that have been collected of over 40 some authors that we just have in our hands. We believe that this is one comprehensive story of God expressing and making and unveiling his love to the world. We believe that it's God speaking to us and showing us his eternal purpose. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, it says this, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. This thing is not just some document of a story of a group of people that lived in a desert at some point. This is not just a random document of a bunch of different things that happened. This is God showing you and I, declaring to you and I, that in the beginning and at the very end of all things, that God before eternity's past had a plan, and that plan was Jesus. And that Jesus would birth the church, and through the church, his glory would be made known, and that it will be accomplished. It's been set out. It's been accomplished already through Christ, and it will be finished, and we will see it one day. That's what this thing is. From the very beginning to the very end, this thing is about the victory that is found in Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. This is about the victory of Jesus. This is not just a historical document. This is the declaration of God bringing life, love, mercy, and grace, and victory into your life and to my life. That's what this thing is. It's living. It's speaking. It's moving. It changes us and it directs us. So here's the thing. If that's what scripture is, then we should read scriptures a little bit differently. We should read scriptures with a mindset, with a heart that says, I want to hear what you are saying. I want to know what it is that you want me to know. And I'm just telling you tonight, what I want us to do as we walk away is I want us to read scriptures differently. And I want us to read scriptures in a way where we see the significance of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in every scripture verse. In every scripture verse, we walked last week through a couple of stories and a couple of scripture verses that may seem just like a story, but in it you can see the truth of Jesus Christ and see his eternal plan being worked out. I want us to look at scripture and see it 
differently. And in every verse, in every way, I want us, I want me to see the significance of who Jesus is. I want to see what's accomplished through Jesus. I want to know who Jesus is, and I want to live the life that he's called me to live, and that he says that I can live through the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what I want this thing to speak to me. But a lot of times when we go through scriptures, a lot of times we go through life, we rather this to be an answer book. We'd rather it be something that tells us what we should do and shouldn't do. We want it to be something that reveals God's word to us in the midst of any situation and circumstance. And so tonight, the first thing I wanna to talk to you about is, is this, that the Bible is not a map to follow for your success but a story of God's redeeming love at work in the world. Let me say that one more time. The Bible is not a map to follow for your success, but a story of God's redeeming love at work in the world. The truth of the matter is, is that the Bible is actually not a really good map for your life. Like if you go through and you wanna open up the Bible and you wanna say, man, should I or should I not go to this college? You're gonna flip through and you're gonna go through and you're gonna find all kinds of verses that could lead you to the worst decision that you've ever made in your life or maybe accidentally the best decision, right? You go through and you're just like, hey, what should we name our child? And you go through and you start looking at verses, you could come up with some crazy names that's gonna get your kid beat up on the playground. Or a lot of people are gonna look at you and be like, for real, you need to get that? Like, I'm just saying, like, I know, I'm not trying to make light of God's word. I'm just saying, like, we try to make this thing a map of what we do. We try to go through, and it's like, I want this specific answer to be found in scripture. I want it to tell me every single thing I'm supposed to do. I want it to guide everything and every word. And I, we go through and we try to find things that aren't in here. Should I take this job or should I take this job? Well, I don't know. It doesn't really say it. I mean, there's no, like... This job book, it doesn't really speak to jobs. It's kind of miserable. I don't know what to do. Man, it's not a map to your success. It's a story of God's redeeming love at work in the world. I love Matt Chandler. He says, hey, if you're looking to this thing to be a map, like there's maps in the back and they can help you out a little bit. But it's not a map to your life. We can get so caught up sometimes in trying to find all these specific things and wonder about these certain things. We're just like, oh, should I do this or should I not do that? And, and really what it is is we're just pushing off responsibility and we're just wondering and, and we're not really stepping into what it is that we should do or what we know is right to do or we don't want to accept what we have to do. And, and so we go through and it's like, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. And God's saying, I've already spoke, I've already declared, you know what you should do. I'm speaking in your heart. I'm alive. My word says that my spirit is with you, that in moments when you don't know what to speak, he'll give you the words. When there's moments of fear and doubt, then I am there with you. When two or more are gathered together, I'm there in your midst. I'm always there. I'm leading. I'm directing. I'm speaking. Don't worry about those things. Don't wonder about that stuff. Look for me and follow me. 
Don't push off responsibility. Don't hold back and say, I don't know what God wants me to do. God wants you to live your life for his glory and he wants you to walk in confidence and boldness knowing that he is there with you, that he is at work, that he has a plan, that he's fulfilling that plan and he's accomplished everything already through Jesus Christ. We don't have to wonder if everything's gonna turn out all right. It's gonna turn out great. If you believe in Jesus, if you hold true to him, we don't have to worry about what tomorrow is going to look like. We don't have to worry about the primaries tonight in South Carolina and who's going to be president and who's not and who's going to make the country great and who's going to build what and all that crazy stuff. We don't have to worry about that because you know why? A man does not give us our freedom. A man does not give us our protection. A man does not give us our liberty. A man does not give us anything that we need. Jesus does and he already has given us everything that we need. We walk through life not wondering where should I go and what should I do. We walk through life saying, where is God? I want to follow him. What is he leading me to do? That's where I want to be. What is he asking me to speak? That's what I want to say. What should I be doing? Where should I be going? That's the life that he wants us to live. And he's already spoken to us. He says, my will is that you would tell people about me. My will is that you would live your life sold out to me. My will is that you would just live your life life for me and I will take every care take care of everything else he's promised us to care for all of those things let's stop looking for some type of secret hidden map which instead look and see the significance of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus in all things let's see the victory in all things let's see the hope that is found because of that let's find the assurance that is there because of that stuff let's trust him and let's live the life that he's called us to live so if it is not a map to follow for our success, then what is it? The Bible is a map that leads us to Jesus so that we may marvel at the glory and the power of his name. In Psalms chapter 23, verse three, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. John chapter 17, verse four, I brought glory to you here. This is Jesus speaking of God. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. In John chapter 17, multiple other scripture verses, we see Jesus speaking and scriptures referencing that Jesus's life, ministry, and mission was to bring glory to the name of God. Ephesians chapter one, verse three, this incredible verse we read here that we are saved to the praise of his glory and his grace. Matthew chapter five, verse 16. Our lives are to be a reflection of the glory of God. It says this, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In John chapter 15, verse eight. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The life that he wants us to live is not focused on our success and our things. The life he wants us to live is focused on his glory, aware of his glory, aware of his power, aware of who he is, and walking out and living every day in awe of the fact that the creator of the universe is in relationship with you and me. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
verses 9 through 10, we see scripture speaking of the end times. And there it is saying of the second coming of Jesus, that the whole thing, his coming again in the clouds, that whole moment, all of that moment is to declare his glory and for Jesus to be seen glorified in that moment through his people. And Revelations chapter 21 says this, starting in verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. All of eternity cannot contain the praise of our God. He is a glorious God. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. We oftentimes, we look at scripture as something that should tell us what to do or not to do. And I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that scripture tells you to do or not to do. And we should listen to those. And we should pay attention to those. But when we walk through and we say, this is what it's saying, or this is what it's saying, and if it's not saying that, be careful. If you read scripture and truly look at it, It's not something that God's just holding over you, waiting to smash you and say you did it wrong. He's wanting you to take and read this. And as you read it, he wants your eyes, he wants your spirit, he wants all of you to look up and say, you're a powerful God, you're a holy God, you're a righteous God. Who is like you? There's none like you. Who am I? He wants our eyes to be set on him, to see and to know how wonderful and how powerful and how true he is. Scripture is to help us to see God's glory and to live our lives for his glory. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're equipped, we're strengthened, we're built up when we come together and we sit underneath of his word. And his word is taught to us and his word is spoken to us and we allow the Holy Spirit in those moments to say, you're not doing what I've called you to do. You're living your life for yourself and you're not living your life for me. Hey, 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 stop. Hey, pay attention, pay attention. That thing over there, I I see that it's important to you, but it's getting a little too important. When we sit underneath of his word, it's not about doing this or doing that. It's not about, did I do good today, daddy? You know, like, (laughs) did I get all my check marks and do I get my allowance? Man, this thing's about, am I living my life for you? Am I walking step and step with what you want me to do? And when I read your word and I see the significance of who you are and all that you've done, and I see the life that Jesus lived and the life that he's calling me to live, and I see myself taking a step the wrong direction, and I read his word, or I'm in church and I hear a word spoken, or I listen to a podcast, or I'm reading a book, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, whoa, hey, step out of bounds, You're, you're, you're going too far. I step back in because I want my eyes set on him. I want to be ready and able and willing to do the work that he has for me every day. I don't want to be out of place. I don't want to be walking somewhere that's all on my own and just set out and saying, this is what I'm doing. This is my life. And I'm like, yay, and I'm over here. And God's saying, but I wanted you over here because I had something for you to do. 
Or even worse yet, how many moments am I going to see when I get into eternity where I'm sitting there and I'm looking this way because I was being pulled away and right here was something that God had for me to do that could have made an eternal impact in someone's life or made a difference in a moment, but I was looking for something else instead of looking to him. His word is to help us to see his glory and his power, to see that he has a plan, that he's working it out, that he's accomplished all things through Jesus Christ, that he is doing something in you and he wants to do something through you. That God is at work. He wants his word to be something that helps us to look to him, to be amazed by him, to be in awe of him, to trust him, to believe him. That when we look through scripture, we're not relying on reason and we're not just getting caught up on something. We're saying, well, that doesn't make sense. So I'm just not going to believe that. I'm not going to trust that. When we get into the thing, well, that's not my experience. I haven't seen that. Well, that's not the church that I've grown up in. And we get into these things and we start categorizing who is God? What is he okay to do? What am I willing to let him do? The truth of the matter is, is that his word should reveal how powerful, how true, how loving, how right, how awesome, how amazing, how majestic he is. That when we look through scripture, we can see that there's gonna be moments that we're gonna go through of suffering and pain, but God is still there. There's gonna be moments of rejection that we're gonna go through, but God is still there. There's gonna be moments of persecution, but God is still there. There's gonna be moments of wealth and success and all kinds of good things are happening and dreams being accomplished. God is still there. In all things, God is there. He is faithful. And what he said was gonna happen, it happens. His word is to change us, to move us, to see his glory and to see what it is that he's doing in us. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And scripture is to help us to say, I know what you want. I know where you're going. I know where that's going to lead you. Stay in my word. Read my word. And in doing that, just trust me. I'm taking you to the right place. I'm leading you to the right place. I'm here. I'm good. I'm just. You can trust me. You can love me. You can look all through scripture. And you could see the people that I was leading and guiding when they did what I told them to do man, that I was there the whole time and they walked in favor. You can see the people that even when I was there with them, they faced hard times, that I did big things through them and accomplished incredible things for their good and for my glory. You can trust me. His word is to help us to see where we're not trusting him, where we're not believing him, where we're not submitting to him. If the Worship team can come up. The lights are telling me I need to stop. In John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, make them holy by your truth. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth.
Church, we too often in our own personal walks with God, we too often as a collective church, we too often as a campus of City Life, we step into a place where we no longer observe the holiness of who God is. And therefore, we cannot hear his call and his demand that we be holy as well. And when we do not recognize that he is holy, and we do not see the glory and the splendor and the majesty of who he is, when we do not see him as God, as creator, who, because he's created us, has every right to demand of us worship and obedience. When we do not see him as glorious, when we do not see him as God, ruler of all things, and we do not end likewise, pursue submission to him and him making us holy, we step outside of what God wants for us and we begin to walk our own path and we begin to do our own things and our own choosings. And when we're in that place, that is sin. It doesn't have to be isolated in, well, I think that's sin and that's not sin. If it's something other than what God has called for us to do, and it's outside of his will, it's outside of his word and his expectation of us, if it's outside of who he is as a holy God, it's sin. And when we step into that place and we embrace sin, instead of embracing, embracing God, we're rejecting him. His word should show us who he is and help us to trust him, to look to him, to hope in him, and to walk out our lives following him. It's a process. Sanctification is not something where God just all of a sudden says, great, you made a prayer, boom, you're brand new, you're perfect, everything's good, you're never gonna do anything wrong again. Because you all know that's not true. Many of you in here, you have kids, and you know it's not true. And many of you in here, you have parents, and you know they're not perfect either. I see a couple kids shaking their heads really hard. It's a process. God wants to work in you and he wants to move in you and he wants to day by day make you who he's called you to be, who he's created you to be. And it starts with us recognizing that he has the right, the authority to demand of us, to expect of us holiness, to demand of us and expect of us worship and obedience and submission. And I know in our culture, those are hard words to hear, but he has the right, he created us. He could wipe us off and not even think about it again. In Psalms, it says that he can do anything that he wishes. He can do anything he wishes, he's God. Do we not tremble at who he is? Are we not struck in our steps and say, what am I doing? He's holy and he's God. Yes, he can demand of something, me, that I do not agree with. He's God. Yes, he can expect of me to sacrifice and to walk away from things that could be good on this earth. 
because he's got more and he's got better and he wants me to see that that more and that better is him not things my security is in him my provision is in him my hope is in him everything is in him that's what his word says that's what he wants us to see that's what he wants us to know that's the way he wants us to live We've got to see that his word is active, that it's speaking, and that he's calling us to be holy because he is holy. And because he's holy, he expects perfection. And knowing that we cannot accomplish perfection on our own, he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he displayed and showed the glory and the power and the demands of our holy, fierce God. And he accomplished them all. He fulfilled them all. And through Christ, faith in him, we're able to claim the life that Jesus deserves and not the one that we deserve. That's the good news. That's the good news, and it's not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in Genesis all the way through Revelations. And it's being declared, as it says in Romans, every day. God, every day, He's speaking through the wind. He's speaking through the rain. He's speaking through your neighbors. He's speaking through the amazing food that you eat. He's speaking and saying, I'm here. I'm powerful. I'm glorious. I'm good. I'm bigger than you can even imagine. I'm greater than you can even imagine. And I want you to know this. You can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. I am good. Will you believe in me? Will you look to me? Will you allow me to speak to you through my word to shape you and to direct you and guide you? If you will, stand to your feet. I'm gonna come back in a moment. I'm gonna read out of Romans. But before we do that, I've asked Tara and the band to sing Good, Good Father. And I think they're going to start at perfect, right? Yeah. So they're going to start at the per place where we say, God, you are perfect. I want that to be a declaration. If you're sitting here tonight and you're unsure of who God is and what God can do, I want you to declare tonight with your mouth. And I want you to believe in your heart that he is perfect and that he is good. And that through her, his perfect son, Jesus Christ, and his perfect life, and his perfect death, and his perfect resurrection, that he has accomplished all things. That his plan has been fulfilled. And I want you to sing that you are perfect. And I want you to think about your circumstances and your situations. And I want you to think about the things that you're facing. And I want you to say, God, I see those, but I see your perfection more than I see anything else.